I think uh, I think it should be framed as the five most realistic plus valuable trade commodities. Sure. Uh, like, because if you're, I was going to include Miguel Sano on my list, but here's a secret: the Twins aren't going to trade Miguel Sano. Or are they? Yeah. Right. That, maybe that's the title of the podcast. Or are they? Yeah. Will yeah. slash should Twins trade young slugger Miguel Sano? Thanks for checking out this podcast. Remember, it's presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, Target Center, or XL Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota baseball, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. And Ticket King can take care of you for out-of-town concerts, sporting events, and more. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone! Touch them all, Joe Maurer! And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. It's a beautiful game, Now our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. I didn't know they still had a team. That's baseball. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Right. So, all right. So, five most realistic and valuable trade commodities. And I'm, the word realistic is definitely debatable. And so, I, I'm with you. I'm going to take away Miguel Sano, every, everyone who's young and part of the future, basically. Sure. Uh, Although, so, anyone who's like under 25 and part of the future. Unless there's exceptions. I mean, you could add an interesting wrinkle. Uh, let's just let's just bring this up. We might as well talk about it now that we're in the weeds on it. Uh, I, I personally wouldn't trade Byron Buxton. I personally wouldn't trade Miguel Sano. And I personally wouldn't trade J.L. Barrales. But this Max Kepler kid's pretty interesting. Don't you think you could get a team seeing an up-and-coming young 23-year-old outfielder who walks more than he strikes out and can handle pitching as a 23-year-old and hang in there against lefties and play, look, not gold-glove caliber defense in the outfield, but hmm. definitely can hold his own in right field. Don't you think that would be a supremely valuable trade chip if you were interested in going that route? Uh, yes. And, um, wow, holy cow, you just threw Max Kepler out as a trade deadline asset. Wow, look, we're going bold right away on the podcast. Look, if you're the Twins, you have to, the way I view this, I don't think you can really nibble at the corners, so to speak. Um, I don't think that you can approach this as... Now, and that's not to say I'm advocating trading Kepler. I think he's a valuable part of the Twins' future. I'm just saying, if... You think this is the kind of turnaround that can happen pretty quickly and you're, say, Terry Ryan and you need to save a job. All I'm wondering is, do you entertain the possibility of trading anyone who's young or do you draw a hard line in the sand and say, no, 26 or younger, screw it, you can't even call us about these guys. Okay, so here's the thing. All right, so this is this is a progressive podcast and we are open-minded and we don't quickly shoot down ideas. We're all about free flow discussion on this podcast. Okay. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go down the line with you on this. The problem with your thought is the teams that would be like the the typical team that would be trading a guy like Max Kepler would be a contender looking for pitching, yep. right? Sure. Like like if you're if the Cubs had Max Kepler right now and they also had a million other great position players, 
and three guys in AAA that they don't have room on the Major League roster for because they're so loaded. But they really want Araldis Chapman and maybe some other piece to the puzzle to win a World Series. Then you trade Max Kepler if you think you can get a final piece to the puzzle to win a World Series in 2016. Sure. So if you're the Twins and you're no longer, well, after the first week and a half, you were no longer sight set on the playoffs, you... To, to trade a 22 slash, what is he, 23? 23, Max yep. Kepler? So to trade a 23-year-old potential middle-of-the-order bat uh, who plays, I think over time he's going to play pretty good defensive outfield in, in right or left field. To trade that, I would need something that helps me for the next five or six years at a different position of need. Yeah. And so if, it was, if there was a pitcher that just emerged into the big leagues, like if the, if the Mets had five healthy young pitchers with five years of team control – all, uh, all on the table, and they really needed some more pop in that lineup, and they, and they were looking for the long-term play. Like, if you're asking me would I trade Max Kepler for someone like Steven Matz or Noah Syndergaard, I would strongly, strongly consider that because it's harder to find a starting pitcher at that age with that much service time than it is to find a right fielder or a left fielder with that much service time left. Exactly. You can, you can find right fielders. So I, I don't think it's off-limits, but I don't think you're in the market – of trading 23-year-old middle-of-the-order bats for anything other than 23-year-old, 24-year-old stud pitcher right. with a bunch of service time left. Yeah. Now let's if if we want to if we want to put this conversation in maybe simpler terms, um, I I don't think you're in the business of trading someone who you think might be Michael Kadire or who might be Justin Morneau or um, you know just use recent Twins as examples. Not to say that Kepler profiles similarly. But just in terms of value and contribution to the franchise of a guy who, personally, I think will make an all-star team. I, I don't know that he's a perennial all-star necessarily, but who knows? It's it's early. He's still, maybe he could evolve into that kind of guy. But he's a solid contributor. The kind of guy around around which you may not be able to build an entire lineup, but around which, uh, or, or a guy who would look very good, say, hitting... Uh, uh, I don't know, fifth in a great lineup with uh, Miguel Sano batting third. You figure out kind of the rest of the spots. Um, not that you have to pigeonhole guys into jobs. Here's my bigger point. I don't think the Twins are in a position that they should be trading a Max Kepler. But I also don't think that they should hang up the phone or, or that they should not explore moves because, well, that's not, current, that's not really the spot we're in. Oh, well, we, really, we don't do that. Ah, uh, we wouldn't trade Tyler Duffy because, ah, uh, we don't like trading pitching. Well, look, I like Tyler Duffy, and, and I think he'll be a nice sort of back end of the rotation starter someday. But I don't think that you should hang up the phone with anybody. I think if a team calls wanting, whether it's a veteran or an Eduardo Nunez or pitching or whatever, I, I think short of just a couple of guys that I'd put in the no trade bin, um, I don't think you should really be writing anything up. I think they should be willing to explore a lot of different avenues. So that's all I'm saying with Kepler. Uh, so, all right, I, I kind of thought we were going to, on the trade discussion, I kind of thought it was going to be names like Irvin Santana and like your, your classic veteran, uh, like your Eduardo Nunez type players who sure. are hot right now and maybe you can get something for them. But since we're going down the value, the realistic plus value path, how about Brian Dozier? Yeah, I'd trade Dozier. So, so Brian Dozier has, after 2016, he has two years and $15 million left on his contract. So Very affordable. Super valuable, yep. team-friendly contract. 
if you look at his numbers the last two and a half years, just in total, and, and you don't, and you're not mindful of the fact that he, he gives you an amazing all-star caliber first half and a, and a useless second half, you'd look at the numbers in the production and say, oh my gosh, absolutely, you would take that for $15 million over the next two years. Yeah. Another reason why it might make sense to trade a Brian Dozier now while his value is still high and while he's got two years left on his contract, you've got Jorge Polanco, who's hitting really well at AAA, who, uh, who's getting close to being out of options and who can play multiple positions, and you don't really have a spot for him right now. Um, again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't... A lot of this has to do with what's behind door number one. Okay, who, who am I trading this player for? Yeah, yeah. But I, I, would, I would not hang up the phone if a GM said, we're interested in Brian Dozier. I would say, okay, let's discuss. Right. That's exactly where I am, too. I like Brian Dozier. I think he's a good player. I think um, if he's rounded out so, sort of the, the craters in his game and he can avoid those prolonged slumps... I think it's possible the Twins would wind up looking very foolish for trading Brian Dozier because here's a second baseman with tremendous power who plays some pretty good defense and can run the bases. Uh, clearly, he's already made an all-star game, um, albeit as an injury replacement, but he was a deserving all-star. Now, where this gets a little tricky is exactly what you're talking about. We tend to have this, and I say we as in we in the biz, um, we as baseball observers, uh, we as fans of the game, I've just noticed over the years we, we have this tendency to, okay, we've read some good things about Jorge Polanco. We've seen him play a couple of times, just, just small little cups of coffee, just little baby sips of coffee. And we've seen the incredible numbers at times that he's put up in the minor leagues. I mean, I've been, I've been following Polanco for a number of years. I'm sure there are other people who've paid even even closer attention to him when he was in the low minors. You look at his minor league page, and it's impressive. Um, so my, my grand point here is that I would not be very hesitant if I was the Twins to trade Dozier because I think Jorge Polanco could be a reasonable facsimile at second base right now. Um, is he going to hit for the same amount of power? Probably not, but I'm curious enough to see what's in that bat um, I know he's good friends with guys like Miguel Sano. Um, it would be interesting to me to see how that dynamic would unfold. But with yeah, that being the, said, I, I don't want to overestimate a guy like Polanco, the contributions he could make right now, just because he's, you know, he's the hot young name. He's, he's, the grass is always greener on the other side. Um, that, that's something I'd be wary of if, if I was the Twins too. Yeah, I think everything you said makes sense, and, and it's, it's always, a bad idea to crown a prospect and say, well, they've got this prospect, so second base is fine for the next five or ten years. Right. Uh, you know, it, it's been easy to do that with Aaron Hicks in the outfield, and that hasn't panned out, and Byron Buxton, and so far in, uh, in a small sample size, that hasn't panned out. Right. But I am pretty confident in saying I trust this Twins front office more on the position player side than I do the, 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 the pitcher side when it comes to development and when it comes to finding guys in free agency. Yeah. I mean, we've done multiple podcasts about this front office's complete ineptitude in free agent pitching, from Jason Marquis to Kevin Correa to Ricky Nolasco, and Irvin Santana's the gem of that bunch, and even he's been mostly a disappointment. Uh, he's, I mean, I guess he's, he's overall, he, he's had an ERA slightly over four, but, uh, but that's it. Like that, that's what you have to show for your free agent spending on the pitching market. Right. So if, if the question is, not that it would ever be this simple, if it was Brian Dozier, but that meant that I had to go find pitching either through my development system 
or through free agency. Or if, if option B was, hey, you can maybe trade Brian Dozier for a known commodity, a pitcher that's already had a track record of success and maybe has three years of team control left and he's in his 20s, and then Jorge Polanco is now your second baseman. I would trust that more because, like I said, I don't... Jose Barrios is kind of like... Even if he pans out, I don't know where the pitching comes from over the next couple of years. Yeah. Does Cole Stewart come up? I'm not banking on that right now. Uh, Tyler Duffy took a huge step back this year. Ricky Nolasco, I mean, some of these guys you might wind up trading before the deadline. And quite frankly, this front office might be wiped out for all we know in, in three sure. months from now, too. Sure. So this this whole discussion might be moot. But I, I would trust Polanco and whichever established pitcher I could get in a trade for Dozier more than I would trust Dozier staying at second base and the Twins going back to the free agent market for another starting pitcher. Sure. I know those aren't your only two options, but in a vacuum, that's yeah. my thought. Well, so let's also let's go down the list. I mean, there are, like, Dozier's a perfect example of someone I don't think is commonly believed to be, you know, shopped right now. And the best way that I can put that is I don't think there are a lot of fans, I guess, that are even rooting for that outcome, that are saying, well, you know, Dozier's our second baseman, so... Um, that's kind of the the end of the conversation. But for me, it's not. I, all I'm saying is you should keep those conversations open. So Dozier, for me, would be one of those high-profile, whoa, trades for the Twins, right? I mean, they'll have some trades. I, I'll, I'll bank that. They won't just... I don't even think they'll just be um, active in the non-waiver trade period. I think they'll also have... They'll, they're the type of team that has the potential to make August waiver trades, too. So, like, you know, trading Fernando Abad. Um, it could make some sense. There might be a team that's looking for a lefty. Uh, you could throw Brandon Kinsler into that same mix. Like these relievers, because they're fickle, because relievers tend to have good year, bad year, good year, good year, bad year, or whatever. There's there's basically no way to predict uh, if a reliever is going to have a great year that that I know of. If there is, Bill, stop me because that would be an interesting podcast episode on its own. Um, trading a one year reliever that they signed to a minor league contract is maybe the smart move, but I don't think it would be the splash kind of a deal. Whereas trading Brian Dozier would be a splash move. Um, even uh, Tyler Duffy or Kyle Gibson, those would be splash moves. Um, I don't think trading Tommy Malone would really be a splash move, and, and I don't think you're going to get a whole lot for someone like that with his contract anyways, um, as we s- sort of have seen um, already this year, starting pitchers in who are ineffective and who have relatively higher salaries. Tommy Malone's only making something like $5 million, but nobody wants to pay that for a back-end starter um, right now. And that the market has shown that. I mean, he cleared waivers earlier this year. Um, trading Ricky Nolasco, you're probably... I'm, I'm just looking down their 25-man roster right now at the, at the pitching side of things. Um, there aren't really a lot of splash moves that I could see. The biggest ones would be Duffy and Gibson because I don't think... I'll put it this way. I don't think if I was the Twins, I would trade Taylor Rogers. I don't think I would trade Ryan Presley, and I don't think I would trade Trevor May. Every other pitcher on the 25-man roster and active right now, totally open open, uh, open right. for business. But it would be foolish to trade Tyler Duffy or Kyle Gibson because those guys are in their primes. While Duffy's emerging into his prime and Gibson's in his prime, and mm-hmm. they're completely underperforming right now. Sure. So I, don't, I just think trading a guy in his prime or before his prime who's underperforming Almost always comes back to bite you. I think it's, you're selling you're selling for fifty cents on the dollar, and eventually, almost every time that value goes up with the next team. Well, and that gives and that's an interesting little 
I, I totally agree with what you're saying, but it, it opens this little wrinkle of the conversation. I don't think that we think about trades completely enough sometimes. I mean, if a team is willing to target someone like Tyler Duffy after what I would consider a really bad year for him, despite that uh, gem he threw the other day, so maybe a couple weeks ago now, but um, I think the other teams are seeing that too, right? I think other teams might agree with your assessment that they're underperforming. And so they don't necessarily pay for that performance, if that makes sense, now follow me down this rabbit oh, hole yeah. a little bit because I think yeah, no, some teams. This is teams, like level three thinking. Exactly. I, totally feel you. I think other teams will be like, okay, yeah, Duffy, he's had a bad season, but we like him. We like that curveball. We think his fastball curve mix is enough. I don't necessarily think he needs a changeup to succeed as a starter. What do you want for him? The Twins aren't going to be like, well, you know, we think he's better than this, so please. It's like everyone knows they're buying a used car, but they know that the parts are going <laughs> into it and they know that the transmission still works fine. Yeah, I feel you. Actually, I'll give you an example. I'm in a, I've been for the last 15 years in a really deep 16-man fantasy baseball league with 33-man rosters. And okay. so wow. You know, it's like super deep. It's basically, it mirrors the real major leagues as much as you can with a fantasy league. Sure. And, uh, and Eduardo Nunez, one of, the, one of the owners in this league has had Eduardo Nunez. He picked him up off waivers in the third week of the season, and he's been one of the best players in baseball in the first half. He's, he's got 22 stolen bases. He hits for power. He's got, uh, he's got all, all kinds of, of uh, RBIs and run scored. And this guy's been shopping Eduardo Nunez for about six weeks. Every other week we get a message via email, hey, who wants Eduardo Nunez? <laughs> yeah. well, he, he's, he's shopping Nunez as a Ferrari. We all know that he's a Honda Civic that just happens to be having a good two-month stretch. Right, right. right. Um, so to your Duffy point, I'm not saying Duffy is, you know, some Ferrari or BMW. I think Duffy is probably settles in as a good solid number 4 starter. Nice and most Volkswagen. teams if I understand Yeah, if I understand what you're saying, most teams probably understand his value even though uh, they would try to get the Twins to 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 sell for less than he's worth because of his 520 ERA. Sure. I think Irvin Santana's in that same boat. I know that the steroid suspension is going to hurt his value in the eyes of some teams, but I think teams pretty much know what they're buying with Irvin Santana. Uh, is that worth taking on the rest of the contract? Because he's not just a rental. But are you willing to pay $13.5 million for that sort of durable production, um, strikeout with the slider, just a guy who's going to... Here, here we go into ball speak. He's going to take the ball. I mean, Irvin Santana is going to make the starts. He's He's been one for the past six seasons. He's been one of the most durable starting pitchers in all of Major League Baseball. Um, especially if you're willing to forgive or give some sort of leniency for his 80-game drug suspension. Here's a guy who just racks up innings, and not bad innings. I, I, I'm tired of hearing about guys as innings eaters. Like, it's such a great thing. If you're a bad pitcher for 220 innings, that's not very helpful for a team. What I always yes. say is, don't go buy innings. Go buy good innings. And so I'm curious to see how much teams are interested in in buying Santana's innings, not just what they'd will be willing to give up in a trade, but are you also willing to take on the contract? I, I think you could see some suitors uh, before the trade deadline. Isn't that one of those things that drives you freaking crazy about broadcast in baseball when you get, like, and Burt Blylevin does this sometimes too. I think Jack Morris is probably more guilty, but even around the country, when you get crusty old veteran pitcher guy who who talks up the value and 
just eating innings. You want a guy to go out there who eats innings, even if he's got a 675 ERA. <laughs> guess what? He takes the ball and he eats innings. Well, I, I'd rather have Steven Strasburg guaranteed to go on the disabled list for at least six weeks every season, giving me 165 lights out innings, and then I'll figure out the rest, yeah. than have like Levon Hernandez or somebody throwing 230 innings with a, a 460 earned run average. I, I <laughs> think know? I totally agree. I think one thing that's going to start to evolve here in the baseball parlance, and uh, uh, we need to we need to be the change we want to see in the world, Phil. Um, I think that uh, <laughs> I think that people are going to start to recognize over time here um, that that outs are a precious thing, and so are innings. Like on offense, people always ask me. Um, they ask. This was an argument the first month of the season. Who had a better first month, Byung-Ho Park or Joe Maurer? And I just sort of laughed. I thought they were joking. And they said, no, no, no. Who had a better first month, Byung-Ho Park or Joe Maurer? I said, well, obviously Joe Maurer. I mean, he had like a 460 on-base percentage. It was like a renaissance that no one would have even believed, even people that were high on him this winter. And they said, yeah, but Park has a few more home runs and like 15 more RBIs. And I'm not trying to downplay the value of RBIs. I think they do matter. They do have their place. But to entirely ignore the fact that Byung-Ho Park made dozens more outs than Joe Maurer in fewer opportunities, I, I think was a pretty big mistake. And the same is true of pitching. Are you? Would you rather have a starting pitcher, like you just mentioned, say Strasburg, for example? I, I'm in your boat fully of, of the idea that 150 great or excellent innings are more valuable than 200, eh, a, probably a triple-A starter could have given us that. Like, just the fact that your arm stays on for 200 innings, yes, that's impressive in today's climate, but it's not more impressive to me than a guy who goes out and consistently gets outs and prevents runs because that's honestly the, the whole name of the game. Avoid outs, prevent runs. This is Sean Aronson from the hottest new podcast, The Voice Behind the Voice. I'm going to slide into someone else's podcast and tell you about mine. Each week, I sit down with some of the biggest names in the sports broadcasting industry. We talk about how they got started, how they got to where they are now, and other humorous stories. You can find it on iTunes, Podcast One, and 1500ESPN.com. That's the voice behind the voice. Actually, I'm going to take this conversation to somebody who I know isn't going to be on the trade block for the Twins because they couldn't get rid of him in the last 10 days. Yeah. So Ke- so Kevin Jepsen, we're recording this on a Tuesday, as we always do. Kevin Jepsen, uh, officially on waivers for, was it 10 days? Yeah, Man, 10 that, days that, that week between the 4th of July uh, last week, that speeds up quick. But So 10 days and pretty predictable. Nobody wanted him at his salary, at his prorated salary. The figure, yeah. well, if somebody wants to pay him $2.5 million, then so be it. We'll just wait till he clears waivers, and if we're interested, we'll pay him, pay him the prorated veterans minimum. Sure. But this is just, man, the Twins, a handful of times this season, kind of puffed out their chest about something earlier in the year or in the offseason, sort of figuratively, like Miguel Sano, right fielder, um, and Kevin Jepsen was one of them. And I think, I'm, not to sit here and beat the crap out of a dead horse, because this goes back to our conversations even during the winter meetings, but number one, this was a guy they tabbed as the best relief pitcher on a playoff contending team, which they planned to be going into the year, knowing that Glenn Perkins' health was in question, right? So Glenn Perkins is our number one, but boy, this guy, we're going to be in the playoffs, and 
this guy is going to be nose to the grindstone, Boston lineup, Yankees, whatever, whoever, whoever they throw at him from a hitter standpoint, this is the guy we're going to ride or die with. And Trevor May is going to be in that mix. Uh, and they even gave up a pretty good 21, 22-year-old pitching prospect who, uh, by the way, has like a 278 earned run average. Chi, uh, is it pronounced Chi We Hu? Chi Wei Hu is what yeah. I understand. It's like, so whether it's Miguel Sano is going to be fine in right field or whether it's Kevin Jepsen's going to be a great, viable eighth or ninth inning option for a team that plans on being in the playoffs, they just look foolish multiple steps the last few months. Yeah, I wrote a quick column when, when we got word that uh, uh, Jepsen had cleared waivers and was released. That's that's a bad look, and um, I think I was probably as critical of Jepsen as anybody. I mean, in that role, it just it clearly wasn't working out. I don't know what it was. I would not be surprised to see him go have success somewhere else. I I don't think he's a bad pitcher by any means, but this year was just a train wreck. So part of me is like, I can forgive them that it went as bad as it did, and yet, that's a pretty poor plan to have in place if that's your that's your backup plan. And now this is like this is like the twins thought they were in a gated and well lit community with the power circuit board, right? And the electricity goes out. Well, that's fine because we've got a backup generator. Oh my god, the generator blew up! <laughs> and so I a part of me is like, okay, that could be forgiven. Um, that's two catastrophes that you could not have foreseen, except for the fact that we sort of talked this winter like, you should be looking out for catastrophe here, just in case you should fortify this bullpen and, and make it a little bit better. And kind of the, the, the feeling I got, I, I know that they tried to make some moves. To their credit, I, I read a report, it was from the, the St. Paul Pioneer Press, that the Twins did try to trade for Justin Wilson, the former Yankees relief ace who ended up going in, in a deal to the Tigers. And okay, Look, that's a smart move. You should have made a move like that. But they fell short and basically went into this year saying, like, ah, oh, we're good. We're good. We, we've got what we need. And both of their plants, not only their primary electricity, which was Perkins, but then their backup generator, uh, which was Jepson, that kind of blew up too. So they probably could have slash should have planned better for it. And now that he's just been outright released before mid-July, uh, it makes the trade of who look a little bit worse. And by the way... Who pitched in the All-Star Futures game the other day? Uh, scoreless inning, two strikeouts, and he got uh, first overall pick Dansby Swanson out too. So he's not only having a good year in double and triple A over there in the Rays organization, he's probably pretty close to surfacing in the majors, even with their conservative uh, promote uh, promotion approach for pitchers. He He's going to help them at some point, whether it's this year, next year maybe. Uh, and I'm not saying he's going to be a star. I, I, I don't look at his stats and say, boy, here's a future pitching ace. But he's rotation depth, and that's something that the Twins are probably always going to need. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still okay with them giving up the prospects they did to get something in Jepson that could help them maybe get to the playoffs last year because they were in the mix for that wild card spot. And I think right. you, might, you might want to sacrifice a little bit of long-term uh, potential for – Short-term gain in that spot. Now, you probably gave up extra because there was an extra year on his contract. Yep. And uh, that extra year wound up blowing up in your face. Meanwhile, yeah. I think Casey Fiend's been one of the best relievers for the Dodgers the past month and a half. <laughs> I don't know if you've... He had, he's striking guys out. He's got like a two-something ERA. 
and uh, and he's figured things out with the Dodgers. So nice, good for him. I, I actually haven't seen Man. his stats recently. I saw the first uh, the first week or so. I saw things. Yeah. He wasn't pitching much, but when he was pitching, it was going well. He was he was missing bats. He wasn't walking guys, and he hadn't done anything uh, disastrous to that point. So that there's another one that it's like the Twins were probably counting on more from him. And well, well what do you know? They ha- they got to get rid of him. Um, like a month into the se- before before you'd even expect that he'd have any problems, he was gone. And uh, their bullpen, yeah, has just been. I don't know. It's it's hard to figure out. It's certainly not their biggest problem. I think their biggest problem has been their starting staff. People ask me that all the time. It's if your starting pitching is better, you can overcome these little mistakes, these little blips, or these little uh, underperformance, uh, underperforming pieces. And you just can't do it all at the same time, all while trying to overcome bad starting pitching too. It just it doesn't work that way. And I think the starting pitching wouldn't look as bad if they also didn't have one of the worst collective defenses in the entire league. Sure. Uh, you know, I think I think bad pitching and bad range and just inability to make plays on a regular basis, those things all kind of go hand in hand. And so a lot of times you might see a pitcher with a bad earned run average. Well, maybe if he had two better outfield defenders and a better shortstop. Eduardo Nunez has been playing a lot of shortstop for the Twins, and he's not a great defensive shortstop. Right. Uh, you, know, you know, Miguel Sano can hold his own at third base, but if, if Miguel Sano, you're hoping for him to be maybe a league average defensive third baseman long term so he can stick at that position, you're going to want someone who can really pick it at shortstop. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that, you better have three guys who can really track down fly balls, and they haven't really done. So all of – now lately – with Buxton in center, if Rosario's in left and Kepler's in right, that's a pretty formidable outfield defense, sure. I think, long-term. Uh, so, I mean, lately they've been a little better in that, in that area. So I'm not putting full blame on the twin starting pitchers. They've been pretty far below average, but, uh, but if you include the bad defense, I, I think I brought this up a couple weeks ago. The twins defensively have allowed by far the highest batting average on balls in play. Yeah. Now, some of that it's bad. It's 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 uh, line drive contact and it's hard ground balls. Maybe some of it's just poor defensive positioning. But I think a lot of it is guys who either don't have great range or who just have never been great defensive players, like sure. Eduardo Nunez. Um, I want to just go rapid fire play a little game with you here quickly, and I'm going to ask you uh, just let's stick just on the 25 man roster because. I mean, would a team be interested in JT Shagwa? Like, yeah, I mean, maybe. Uh, and teams might be calling about that. But let's just ignore that side of the trade paradigm right now and focus only on people that are currently healthy and on the roster. Which, by the way, if you if you thought Trevor Plouffe was going to get traded before the non-waiver trade deadline, I, I, think, uh, I think the latest injury pretty much put an end to that. Um, he could still be traded in August, I guess, or in the winter if you want to, but... Uh, put it this way, I'd be I'd be shocked to see him moved. Um, I just I don't think he'll be healthy and on the field in time to make that trade happen. So see um, the the problem there is if you wait till after July 31st and try and trade him during the season still before the uh, the August 31st deadline. Yeah, a lot a lot of teams are going to put in claims on him. So like, yep. he's not a guy that's going to clear waivers. He's right. a guy that he's under team control. He's a good player. He's under team control for probably nine or ten million dollars next year with arbitration. And a lot of teams would put a claim in and be perfectly happy just getting him if the Twins decided to let him yep, go. Which exactly. Didn't. 
So that and, like you're not gonna you're not gonna have him clear waivers and then have five teams bidding for his services via trade. It's sure, not gonna fly. Totally agree. Um. So anyway, let's just ignore Plouffe for this conversation. I want to go rapid fire with you. Um. And I'll just say, from a c- consider all these things like on the fly. Uh, his age, his contract, what he's, what you'd expect him to give the twins next year or beyond, and what level he's like performing at right now. So like what you think he would fetch in a trade, yes or no, would you entertain the idea of trading him? You good with that? Yes. So we went through all the, the, the pitchers. We kind of had an extended conversation about that. I, I'm just going to fast forward to the position players. If anyone has any, you know, questions on the pitchers or anything like that, feel free to drop us a line on Twitter, um, at Derek Wetmore, at Phil Mackey. But I just want to go the position players on the roster. Phil Mackey, would you trade them? Go. Kurt Suzuki. Absolutely. I think they'd be foolish not to trade Kurt Suzuki before the deadline. Juan Centeno. I mean, sure. <laughs> it's like 20, 20, <laughs> yeah. 26-year-old journeyman. I mean, well, you need someone to catch, though, the rest of the season. That's you know. the thing. That's Maybe the not. thing, Phil. You can't trade them all. <laughs> okay. Um, it's just, how about yes or no, then, for infield, outfield? Uh, Brian Dozier, we talked about. You are a yes, yes on Dozier? I would trade Brian Dozier. If I would trade Brian Dozier for a good, established, fairly young starting pitcher with multiple years of team control left. Yes. So a lot of ifs. Um, Eduardo Escobar. I like him as a utility guy. Uh, he's a Jekyll and Hyde hitter. I would consider trading him, but I also think he's a valuable guy to have on your team for the next couple of years. I am going but to... I would, I would consider trading All right. I'm going to skip number seven, Joe Maurer, because if you've listened this far into the episode of the Touch Em All podcast, you are already well aware that Joe Maurer has a full no trade clause. So I'm not going to approach that one. Uh, would you and, consider going to Joe Maurer and asking him to waive his no trade clause? That's, I mean, like, <laughs> that is not, no joke. That is a conversation that gets started on Twitter all the time. And here's the deal. That's not my business. Joe Maurer and his agent signed a contract with an agreement. Um, if the twins want to try and break that agreement or nullify that agreement, then fine. That's a conversation for another day. But, I get, uh, I get a little, you can maybe hear the tone of my voice changed a little bit. I get a little tired of that conversation because it's so ever present and we just waste. There's a lot of analysis out there that needs to be done, the important conversations that need to be had. And yet people want to spend all of their time obsessing over the trade value of Joe Maurer. I don't really oh. get it. All of that being said, I would absolutely go to him and ask him if he'd be willing to waive his no-trade clause. <laughs> right. okay. Can't hurt. All right, so we got that one out of the way. Um, this guy, we're recording this. Uh, uh, as I asked this question, we're about two hours from first pitch of the MLB All-Star game. This will be the lone Twins representative. Would you trade Eduardo Nunez? I wouldn't trade him for the sake of trading him anymore. He's a really good offensive asset. He's always been a pretty good hitter. I don't think he's going to be this type of hitter the rest of his time with the Twins. But the fact that he can play multiple positions, he's, he's got power. You can just, he's, he's one of those versatile players that you like to have on your roster. Because if your third baseman goes down, Eduardo can play some third base. If you need sure. him in left field, like you need guys. That's the, the Cubs have four or five guys who just rotate around or have the ability to rotate around to three different positions. And uh, I think that's a big part of the reason why they're one of the best teams in baseball. I'm all about position flexibility, and Eduardo Nunez gives you that, so you shouldn't give him away 
unless somebody gives you fairly equal value. Hmm. Uh, Kenny's Vargas. Would you trade Kenny's Vargas? He's out of options next year, much like Jorge Polanco. You, you kind of just have to know what you think about him by now. I I want to see him. I I would trade him in the off season, but I want to see him in the second half. Okay. I don't want to. I don't want to just trade him because oh, there's no room left. Again, if somebody if somebody gave me more than one for one dollar for dollar value, then I'll trade anyone. But sure. Uh, but with with Kenny Vargas, I, he's a guy I kind of want to. I'm curious now. He's got me curious. All right. Um, let's go rapid fire with the outfielders. Uh, Byron Buxton. No. Robbie Grossman. <laughs> yes. In fact, you should probably cash in on his value right now. <laughs> right. Uh, Max Kepler. We talked about him at length, but no. a yes, no. No on Kepler? I, I, I would not trade him. No. Eddie Rosario. Um, you know what? I want to see him the rest of the season, too. I would not trade him before July 31st. I okay. think he can be, I think he can be kind of, kind of like what Carl Crawford was 10 years ago for the Tampa Bay Rays. A, a good, a, a center fielder who's shifted over to a corner outfield spot who can play good defense mm. and, and, uh, and be a menace on offense. Here's a guy that teams were calling about two years ago, uh, but I'm not so sure that they're calling as much this year. Uh, Danny Santana. I would trade him in a split second, yes. And Miguel Sano. Um, did you, wait, did you know, by the way, Danny Santana has been caught stealing seven times? 11 stolen bases, seven caught stealings. Gross. Like he's, he's a break-even base stealer. Uh, and then Miguel Sano, I would not trade Miguel Sano. Absolutely yeah, not. I, w- I wouldn't either. Um, we are, we're fairly aligned in our philosophy here with the exception. I think you're, this has surprised me a little bit, but I think you're a little bit more conservative than me. Um, if teams are calling about Nunez, Vargas, Rosario, uh, I mean, definitely Grossman, Santana, and Irvin Santana too, for that matter, but I'm talking about Danny here. Um, if teams are calling, I'm I'm having lengthy trade conversations about just about anybody. I, I basically draw the line at not only could you help us in the future, but could you help us so much that it will look foolish at one point that we are even discussing you in this conversation? Those are the people that I put off limits. Everybody else is kind of like, yeah, like I know this stock could do well, but if I have my assets all tied up in that stock, I can't make money over here. So I'm just trying to make the most money if I'm the Twins, and that's a metaphor for wins, although I guess you could argue, too, that uh, Major League Baseball is still a business and they're probably just trying to yeah. make their ends meet. Well, I think, but the, the two big fish that I would absolutely be dangling, Urban Santana is one of them. He yeah. can be valuable. He's got a, a fairly team-friendly contract. He's a, he's a good, solid pitcher. I think he could even pitch in a playoff game for you. If yeah. You, you could rely on him to pitch in Game 3 of a... Of a division series, and game. I don't but think I'm it hurts you. you if you're the Twins. I don't think it hurts you that much to lose him either. I mean, it, it does. You're obviously losing a competent starting pitcher, but if you think that there's upside on the trade market, I, I'm more tempted to pursue that avenue. He's also 33, and there's no guarantee sure. that he's going to be performing at this level yeah. uh, for the next two years. But I'm telling you, I would dangle Brian Dozier. Sure. I would. Uh, I I wouldn't be looking to to boot Brian Dozier off the island unless I got a good offer. But I would absolutely be dangling Brian Dozier. For established pitching. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. All right. Um, well, this is going to be an entertaining all-star game tonight. We're going to get to watch Eduardo Nunez come off the bench in, like, the uh, 11th inning. And steal and, a base uh, a la Dave Roberts with the winning run. And his helmet flying off, his all-star helmet flying <laughs> off right, as, he rounds, yeah. as he rounds third base on the way to home plate. Yeah, you can Very book exciting. that. Book it.